And, you know, we've got a couple that comes all the way from Pennsylvania to be here. Come on, somebody. All the way from Pennsylvania to be with us. That's pretty far, and that's a great honor that they would come to be with us here. And um, so I want you to turn in your Bibles to Colossians, Colossians chapter 3, verse 12. Colossians 3, verse 12. Therefore, as God's chosen people, holy and dearly loved, Clothe yourselves. Everybody say, clothe yourselves. Turn to your neighbor and say, put on some clothes. With compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience. Bear with each other and forgive one another. And if any of you have a grievance against someone, forgive as the Lord forgave you. And over all these virtues... Put on love. Everybody say, clothe yourself with love. Which binds them all together in perfect unity. A young man went to his grandfather one day and he said, Grandpa, he said, you and Grandma have been married for 75 years. And you never argue. It seems like you get along so well. What is your secret? So the grandfather took a breath and he said, well, it began on our wedding day. We were in a horse and buggy and we were going on our honeymoon and the horse, it stopped in the middle of the road. And so I kind of hit it a little bit and the horse started going. I heard your grandmother under her breath say, strike one. So the horse went a little bit further and then again it stopped. And so I nudged it again a little forceful, more a little forceful and, and uh, the horse began to go again. And I heard your grandmother under her breath say, that's strike two. The horse went a little bit longer, and then all of a sudden it stopped and it wouldn't go. And grandma took my shotgun and shot the horse in the head. I jumped out of the carriage and I said, are you crazy? I can't believe you did that. She said, that's strike one. (laughs) Uh, Some of you get it on the way home. The scary thing is some of you will not get it. But I want to continue my series entitled Building Deeper Relationships. Building Deeper Relationships. And as we look at building deeper relationships, we have discovered that relationships take work. That relationships take intentionality. We need to be intentional about spending time with the people that we love. We need to be intentional about walking with the people that we love through the painful moments of their life. And last week, we talked about walking with people that we love through depression. But this morning, I want to give you one very important, I believe, the most important ingredient in building a deep relationship, and that is learning how to walk in agape. You see, I'm... I'm really going to be straight with you and forward this morning with you and tell you that if you're really going to agape someone for the rest of your life, if you're going to stay committed to a relationship for the rest of your life, if you're going to stay friends with the people that are most important in your life, if you're going to love someone more at the end of your life than when you first met them, it's love at last sight. 
then you're going to have to possess something deeper, more powerful, and stronger that will have the power to sustain the faltering, faltering relationships in our life, to forgive a, a deeply, deeply wounded situation in your life, to give you hope when it seems like your marriage is hopeless, to give you hope to sustain that situation in your life that seems to be impossible and it seems to be beyond repair, I want you to know today that there is something that goes beyond natural ability. There is something that goes beyond natural willpower. There is something that goes beyond anything that we could ever imagine, and that is the agape of God. You see, you and I can never experience deep relationships without first experiencing and expressing God's agape. You see, the Bible teaches us that there is a love that goes beyond our ability to love beyond the ability to maintain deep relationships through something that is called the agape of God. The agape of God. And the truth is, without agape love... You will never experience the kind of relationships God intended you to have. Listen to what Paul the Apostle said. Paul the Apostle said, if I, if I speak with tongues of men and angel, but I don't have agape, he said, I'm just making a lot of noise. Have you ever met somebody that's making a lot of noise? I mean, they say they love you, but you know they're just making a lot of noise. They say they care about you. They say that they're willing to walk with you in the deepest, darkest moments of your life, but you know as they're saying, bad, 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 they're just making a lot of noise. And Paul the Apostle said, if I have faith to move mountains, but I don't have agape, he said, I am nothing. That I can have great faith, and yet still at the same time, I'm not walking in the agape of God. He said, if I even give my clothes to the poor, if I become benevolent, but it's not motivated by agape, it's not going to last to the end. He said, I'm nothing without the agape of God. In fact, if you look at Ephesians chapter 3, I want you to turn to Ephesians chapter 3. One of the most powerful verses of Scripture in the Bible. And Paul says, for this reason I kneel before the Father from whom every family in heaven and on earth derives its name. And I pray that out of his glorious riches that he may strengthen you with power through his Holy Spirit in your inner being so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith. That you may be, listen to what he says, rooted and established in agape. He said the only way that you're going to really have deep relationships in your life is when your life is rooted and established. When your life goes deep in the love of God. He says, when you recognize, when you comprehend with all the saints, this is what he says, that you may have power together with all the Lord's holy people to grasp how wide and long and high and deep is the agape of Christ and to know this agape that surpasses knowledge, that you may be filled to the measure of the fullness of God. In other words, our entire lives need to be deeply rooted and established in the agape of God because when we're established in the agape of God, we're moving in, we're operating in the fullness of God. Paul the Apostle says the agape of God is the fullness of God. 
So deep relationships must be established in the depth, in the height, in the width, in the length of God's agape in our life and through our life. So we as Christians who have experienced God's unconditional love have a secret weapon against divorce. We've got a secret weapon against division. We've got a a secret weapon against unforgiveness and bitterness. We've got a secret weapon against brokenness in our life. When all else fails, that's what the Bible says, agape never fails. When all else fails, we never understand or we never really can comprehend the depth, the height, the width, the length of God's agape love so that love never stops believing. Love never gives up. Love never gives in. Love never finds an excuse for failure. Love never finds a reason to throw in the towel. Love never quits. Love is deeper than the pain in our life. The agape of God is deeper than the hurts in our life. The agape of God is deeper than our fears and our doubts about relationships in our life. It's longer than the greatest challenge in our life. And love will take us, the agape of God, will take us to the end of our life where we will love the people that we're in relationship more in the end of our life than when we began our life. Somebody say amen. It's love at last sight. And the truth is, deep, long-lasting, healthy relationships are always the product of agape. Now, it's important for us to understand, and I know you've heard this before, but, but let's go over it again one more time. That there are actually four words for love in the Greek. In the English, we got one word. Just love. That's it. So if I love my dog, I say I love my dog. If I love hot dogs, I say I love hot dogs. If I love the Yankees, I say I love the Yankees. Who won the game last night? Cleveland, okay. So I only have one word. So I love the Yankees. I love hot dogs. I love my wife. I love God. There's only just one word. But you see, the Greek and the Hebrew is so powerful. In fact, that's why we need to learn. We need to study Some words in Hebrew and Greek, because the Bible was written in Hebrew and Greek. And so we can't understand the depth of a scripture sometimes without understanding what the word means in the Greek. So in the Greek, there are four words for love. The first word is eros, and it's a sexual kind of love. It's a romantic kind of love. And so we get that word, I made love. It's romantic love, sexual love. It's eros. That's one level. The the most shallowest level of all is that word eros. But then there is storge. And storge is that kind of love that we have for our family members, people in my family. I love my brother. I love my sister. I love my brother Anthony. I love my sister Lee. I love my mom. I love my, my relatives. Storge is a kind of a a love that we understand that has to do with loving our relatives. And then there is the brotherly love where we get the word Philadelphia, phileo love. It's the word that means brotherly love. And so I love my brother in Christ. I love my sister in Christ. But then there is another word that is used in the scriptures to help us to understand the depth of God's love, to help us understand that there is a love 
that we can possess in our life. There is a love that we can experience in our life that goes far beyond eros and storge and phileo. When eros fails us, agape will never fail us. When storge fails us, agape will never fail us. When phileo fails us, agape will lead us to the end. Somebody say amen. Glory to God. And so what does this word agape mean? Agape is the term that defines God's immeasurable, incomparable love for humankind. It is his ongoing, outgoing, self-sacrificing concern for lost and fallen people. God gives us this agape without condition. It's unreserved. So to, to the point where we understand that God gives us this love that is so undeserved, by us or anyone else. So agape love, as someone once said, is unmotivated in the sense that it is not contingent on any value or worth in the object of love. It is spontaneous and heedless, for it does not determine beforehand whether love will be effective or appropriate in any particular case. In simple words, love is God's divine nature. Love is God's divine nature. So agape love is shown in what it does, not in what it feels. So agape love is not a feeling. Where eros could be a feeling, agape love is not a feeling. Agape is an action. Somebody say, agape is an action. And we see the greatest of God's agape love by Jesus doing something for us that was an action. Jesus didn't say, I've loved you with an everlasting love. He said, I loved you so much that I was willing to demonstrate that love, not just by a feeling, but he was willing to leave his home in heaven and come to earth and die on the cross. For God so agape the world that he gave his only begotten son, that agape is an action of giving. It's an action of sacrifice. It's an action of doing something for somebody else without the other person understanding what it costs that person. So we understand that agape love is God giving us his son on the cross. And while Jesus is dying on the cross, he's saying, Father, forgive them for they know not what they do. He was not thinking about himself. He was thinking about you. Agape love is a selfless love. Agape love is always thinking about the other person better than themselves. Agape love is rooted in humility, considering the other person, as the Bible says, that Jesus didn't consider equality with the Father something to be grasped, but he made himself lower than the angels, taken on the form of a servant, being obedient even unto death. And first John tells us, whoever does not agape does not know God, because God is agape. Whoever does not love does not know God because God is love. Jesus told his disciples in John chapter 13, a new commandment I give to you that you agape one another. Even as I have agape you, that you also agape one another. By this all men will know that you are my disciples if you agape one another. So there is no force on this planet that is greater than, listen to me, the agape of God, the power of love that is found in God. Now listen to me. Where does love come from then? Well, the Bible says that love comes from God because God is 
love. We know that God is holy. We know that God is righteous. We know that God is merciful. We know that God is grace-filled. We know that God is just in all that he does. But in all of those characteristics, we find that God, first of all and foremost, his very character and his very nature is that he is love. So his justice is motivated by his love. His mercy is always motivated by his love. His grace-filled heart is always motivated by his agape. His wrath is motivated by his love. We recognize that there is nothing more perfect in this world and beyond than the love of God that's shed abroad in our hearts by the Holy Spirit. God is agape. And so how do we experience that kind of love in our life? It comes from God. And so you and I cannot operate in this kind of love without first being connected to God. Now, I know some people say, well, I know non-Christians. I know atheists that love one another. But they can't experience the kind of love that God wants every human being to experience. Why? Because they're disconnected to God. Now, Jesus said, I am the vine and you are the branches. And if you abide in me, then you will bear much fruit of the Spirit. Amen? So that you can abide in me and recognize that there is a connection with God. And when you're connected to God, you can start to live in the great depth and height and width and length of the agape of God. We can't do it without being connected to God. Jesus said our our love for others is a direct result of our love for God. That's what he meant when he said, if you abide in me and I abide in you, then you'll bear much fruit to the glory of God's kingdom. Notice what 1 John chapter 4 says. Listen, it says, dear friends, let us agape one another. For agape comes from God, and everyone who agapes has been born of God and knows God. He said, if you're born again by the power of God, and the Spirit of God has come to live inside of you, then you've got the ability to operate on a whole nother level of love. And so I believe that born-again relationships should be the deepest, most loving relationships in our life. Why? Because we've got a power from God that other people don't have. We've got the agape of God that's flowing in our life. He said, if you know God and you've been born of God, then you have the ability then to go deeper in your relationships as you go deep in the depths of God's agape love. Somebody say amen. Whoever does not agape does not know God because God is love. This is how God showed us his love among us. He sent his one action and only son into the world that we might live through him. This is agape. Not that we agape God, but that he loved us and sent his son as an atoning sacrifice for our sins. Dear friends, since God so agape us, We ought to also agape one another. No one has ever seen God, but if we agape one another, God lives in us and his love is made complete through us. There it is. That you might be filled with the full measure of the fullness of God. That's why we have hope day. 
Because on hope day, we shower the, the love of God to people. We show God love and we show people love as we demonstrate our love for them. Together, we joined together. And on June the 4th last year, we ministered to 16,067 people in the love of God. And listen to me. It was a great demonstration that the love of God is present in our life, working through your lives. And as we do that, we fill the earth with the love of God. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. We ought to love the world the same way. Somebody say amen. So when we open our hearts to God's love in intimacy, we experience a holy longing to be eternally united with the Lord. And when we open our hearts to receive his love, listen to me, when we open our hearts to say, oh God, Lord, my heart is hardened, but I need your love, God. What happens? Our capacity to love him and others expands. So that when we say, God, my love is limited in myself and my humanness, but I open myself up to your supernatural love. God's love comes inside of us and our capacity to love him and love others begins to expand. Because the Bible says God is agape. So what does it mean that God is agape? Love is an attribute of God. And so the core attribute of God is love. And as a result of that, every other part of God, every attribute of God is wrapped up in his agape. So the deeper you go in God's agape, the deeper you can express love for other people. And maybe this morning you're struggling in a relationship. The truth is maybe you're struggling from going from one relationship to the next relationship. Maybe you've got failed relationships in your life. Well, let me ask you a question. Are you connected to God? Are you building a deeper walk with God? Are you spending more time with Jesus? Because the love of God is shed abroad in our hearts through the Holy Spirit. And so as I begin to spend time with Jesus... As I begin to spend time with God, as I begin to spend time in his word, and listen to me, I heard somebody say this week, it's very powerful, that the number one thing that a Christian absolutely has to do in their life to grow deep in their discipleship, in their love, is to get into the word of God. And so as we read the word of God, we spend time with Jesus. As we read the word of God and we spend time with our father, when we go into our prayer closet and we have a love relationship with the father, we come out of our prayer closet and now we can have a love relationship with other people. Somebody say amen. So love comes from God, but it's also a fruit of the Holy Spirit. Paul the apostle said that the fruit of the spirit is love. And so we understand that the Holy Spirit being a part of the Godhead, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, that when we're filled with the Spirit, we're filled with love. You can't tell me that you're filled with the Spirit unless you have love in your life. In fact, the Bible tells us that you can speak in tongues, tongues of men and angels, but if you don't have love, then you're not the real deal. And let me tell you, I met some tongue-talking devils in my life. Come on, somebody. I've met some Christians that can talk in tongues, but they don't know how to walk in love. And Jesus said the greatest sign that you're filled with the Holy Spirit is that you walk in the love of God. Galatians chapter 5 tells us that the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, goodness. And 1 Corinthians chapter 13 tells us that's the definition of love. So it works hand in hand. So the love of God is shed abroad in our hearts by the Holy Spirit. So maybe you've run short of love in your life. 
Maybe you're running short of patience in your life. Maybe you're running short of kindness in your life. Maybe you're, you're running short of peace, peace with him and peace within. You see, when you've got peace with him, then you have peace within, you can have peace with him. Come on, somebody. That was good. Let me say that again. I just made it up. Write it down so you don't forget it. When you've got peace with him, you've got peace within. And when you've got peace within, you've got peace with him. Maybe you run out of patience in your life. Maybe you run out of peace or gentleness or faithfulness or self-control in your life. My friend, it's because you need, again, a new filling of the Holy Spirit. You see, the problem is, is we get filled with the Holy Spirit, but we've got holes and we leak. We leak. We get filled with the Holy Spirit. The Bible says that we're to be filled constantly with the Spirit. Ephesians chapter 5 tells us that we're not to be drunk with wine, but to be filled with the Holy Spirit. In the Greek, the word to be filled is a constant filling every day. I don't know about you, but I leak. I run short. I'm kind. I'm, I'm faithful. I'm long-suffering. I'm patient. But man, my patience runs out. I need to go back into the prayer closet and say, my patience ran out. I need another filling of the Holy Spirit in my life. And God is so faithful that when I come to him and I'm saying, God, I can't do it by myself. It's not by might. It's not my power. But by its, by its spirit, saith the Lord. So when you run short of patience, run to the Holy Spirit. When you run short of goodness and kindness and faithfulness, run to the Holy Spirit and say, I've run out. Fill my cup again, Lord. I'm empty, Lord. I've leaked out. But Lord, I need another touch of your Holy Spirit in my life. I love what Paul the Apostle said. He said, so I, I say to you, walk by the Spirit and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. For the flesh desires what is contrary to the Spirit. And the Spirit, what is contrary to the flesh, they are in conflict with each other so that you are not doing whatever you want. But if you are led by the Spirit, you're not under the law. The acts of the flesh are obvious, he said. Immorality, impurity, debauchery, idolatry, witchcraft, hatred discord, jealousy, fits of rage, selfish ambition, dissensions and factions. Hey, how many know that's the recipe of a disastrous relationship? Throw that all in the pot and you have a mess of a relationship. Notice what he says. But the fruit of the Spirit is love and joy and peace and tolerance and Kindness and goodness and faithfulness and gentleness and self-control. Against such things there is no law. And those who belong to Christ have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. Since we live by the Spirit. What is he saying? He's saying we all need to come to God and say, God, my flesh wants its way. I want to kill that dude. I want to walk out on that situation. I want to have hatred and dissension in my heart. My flesh, listen to me, your flesh is always going to be your flesh. It's always going to stink. It's always going to be bad. You can't redeem the flesh. That's why we kill the flesh every day. Paul says, I die to myself daily. And I allow the Holy Spirit to operate in my life. I come to the Spirit and say, I've run out of these things. But God, today I'm asking you by your Holy Spirit that you once again would pour upon me your love. Because love wraps up all of those other gifts. 
Love is the key to everything in our life. I'm not talking about eros or storge or filet. I'm talking about agape love. And so the secret of deep, long-lasting, healthy relationships is found in the power and the person of the Holy Spirit. In a few moments, I'm going to invite all of us in this room to once again ask the Holy Spirit to fill our lives. I'm going to invite some of you to come forward and say, I'm dry and I need another dose of the Holy Ghost in my life. You know, notice after Pentecost, and they, they got together in the upper room. How long? For 11 days, the Bible says. You know why they were in the upper room for 11 days? Because they needed 11 days to get their matters straight with one another. Come on. And the Bible says after they got their matters straight with one another, they were in one accord. That's one big Honda. They were in one accord. It meant that they, they, had, they had been in unity with one another. They said, we can't do it by ourselves. I can't love my brother, my sister in my own strength. And they began to cry out for the empowering of the Holy Spirit. And the Bible says on the day of Pentecost, the Holy Spirit came upon them and filled them. They were so filled with the Holy Spirit that what happened? The moment they got filled with the Holy Spirit, the moment that they got endued with power from on high, they began to shed the, the, or share the gospel with other people. And notice what it says. And it says, and they had all things in common. That's real love. Bible said if there was any need, somebody came and met that need. Bible says they learned how to be patient and loving with one another. Why? Because they were filled with the Holy Spirit. Now that we know where true agape love comes from, what does true agape love look like? In other words, how do we know when we're operating in agape? How do we know when we're reflecting agape love towards other people? You see, it's easy to tell somebody that you love them. In fact, the truth is we throw around that word so often. I love you, man. See somebody in the foyer at church, love you, dude. Love you, babe. Love you, brother. Love you, sister. But what does it really mean to love somebody? What does agape look like? If we can make a picture of agape, if we can live it out, what would it look like? Well, Paul tells us, he actually gives us several characteristics of agape. Paul tells us that, number one, I want you to write this down, that agape love is patient. That's what it is. He tells us in 1 Corinthians chapter 13 what love looks like and what love doesn't look like. He said, if you're getting angry, that's not love. If you're flying off the handle... If you have to cover your wall with pictures because there's holes in the wall because you wanted to smash your son or daughter or your father or mother through the wall, but instead you put your own fist through the wall, that's not love. If you're divided against one another, that's not love. So Paul actually starts out with what does love look like, and then he tells us what love doesn't look like. He says love isn't easily angered, right? Love doesn't keep a record of wrongs. We're going to talk about that in the coming weeks. But he gives us two things that love looks like. Number one, he says love is patient. Love is patient. And the Greek word for patience here means that love is, listen to me, long-suffering. I think the King James gets it right when it said love suffereth long. Love suffereth long. And so there are two words in the Greek for patience. 
The one word is you are patient inside. You are a patient person with life. You're a patient person with things that happen in your life. That's one Greek word. The other Greek word is you're patient with other people. In, in 1 Corinthians chapter 13, it's the second. So love is patient with other people. So the Greek word for patience here means that we suffer long with other people's shortcomings. Come on, somebody. So we give people that we love room to grow. That's patience. We give people we love room to be human. That's patience. We give people the room that, that, that they need to develop the character and nature of God in their life. That's agape. We give people we love lots of room to make mistakes in their life. And the truth is we live in a world that's very, very impatient. Did you notice that today we live in a world that we need it right now? We need it now. We needed it yesterday. I mean, you know, check it out. You, you try to go on your computer and you got that thing. You know that thing, that buffer thing? And so you try to load on to a site and the thing starts going. And I start saying to myself, dude, 10 seconds and you're not on that site. And I get really impatient because we live in this world where everything is so instant that we, we've lost our patience. We've lost our patience in driving. We get stuck in traffic, man. We just, it, we just go crazy. We get stuck on the internet. We go crazy. If something isn't given to us right away, we go crazy because we live in this world that's so fast that we have become impatient with other people. We, be, we become impatient with the people that we love in our life. We have TV shows today that solves problems in 20 minutes. 20 minutes. It's not a half an hour because they got commercials for 10 minutes in the 20 minutes. And so in 20 minutes, they can solve the world. Hawaii 5 always catches his man in 20 minutes. People's situations in their life, they're resolved in 20 minutes. And so we live in this 20-minute soundbite world where everything in this world needs to happen in 20 minutes. And if we don't have it, we don't, it doesn't happen in 20 minutes. We lose our patience. And I'm afraid to tell you that so many of us as Christians, we've lost our patience with the people that we need to be long-suffering with. Because the Bible says agape love is patient. It's not quickly angered or frustrated with a person. That's what it means in the Greek. It means that we're not easily angered or frustrated with the people that we live with. Wow, it's getting really quiet in here. <laughs> Let me ask you a question. Do you lose your patience with people that you live with? Are you easily angered or frustrated Maybe by their lack of maturity in their life. Maybe their lack of love for God. To the point where you say, I just can't take it anymore. I give up. I can't do this anymore. Deep relationships require time. Lots of time. Lots of long suffering. Lots of patience. And so many people say, I can't do it. But, but God, listen to me, has given us his Holy Spirit 
to give us the fruit of patience in our life while we wait for people to love, to grow, and to mature in God. Let me ask you a question. Aren't you so glad that God is long-suffering with you? I mean, listen, I know you think you're all that, that it is. I think, you know, I think some of us, we walk around and we think that we're God's gift to the world and God's gift to him. But guess what? I want to give you a newsflash. You've got a lot of issues in your life. You've got a lot of problems in your life. And God has to put up with you every single day of your life. Aren't you glad that God puts up with you constantly? Come on. Turn to your neighbor and say, I'm so glad that God puts up with me. An ancient preacher said this, the word used of the man who is wronged and who is easily angered or who easily has the power to avenge himself but will not do it out of mercy and patience is the man who distributes or shows forth the characteristics of patience, long-suffering. In other words, Wrapped up in patience is this understanding of grace and mercy. That, that, that we distribute out to people, we display not only patience, but grace and mercy. That when we have the right to say, I'm out of here, we're patient. When we have the right to say, I'm done with this relationship, we're patient. Why? Because we show grace and mercy in a time of need. We show grace and mercy. When somebody deserves wrath, we show grace and mercy. That's the heart of the gospel, that Jesus showed us grace and mercy when we deserved wrath, when we deserved God to walk out on us, when we deserve for Jesus to say, listen, I'm done with this thing. Can you imagine if Jesus said, I'm done with this thing? Can you imagine if Jesus went halfway to the cross and before he got to the cross, man, they started spitting at him, started whipping him. They put a crown of thorns and he said, dude, I'm done with this. Father, I'm out of here. I'm walking out of this thing. Aren't you glad that Jesus didn't walk out on you? Hallelujah. He went all the way to the cross. Aren't you glad that Jesus didn't say, I'm off the cross. I can't take it anymore. But no, he got the power of God. He had the love of God that was shed abroad in his heart by the power of the Holy Spirit that kept them on the cross. And sometimes it feels like you're on a cross. And sometimes you might even say, the person that I'm married to is my cross. I want you to know today that God carried your cross. And sometimes we need to carry the cross of somebody else because God's going to give us the power and the strength to endure because patience and love and kindness and goodness and gentleness and self-control all come through the great gift of agape in our life. So turn to your neighbor right now and say, you're my cross. <laughs> Secondly, agape is kind. Agape is patient, but agape is also kind. If we get a picture of what agape looks like, agape looks like kindness. And the Bible says that we're to clothe ourselves. Listen to me. It says we are to clothe ourselves in kindness. And kindness treats people with incredible respect. Kindness is both an action and an attitude. 
Let me say that again. Kindness is both an action and an attitude. And I hate to tell you, but I think our country, we've gone backwards when it comes to racism. Or we've, come, we've gone backwards when it comes to race relationship. Because we just don't respect each other anymore. And at the root of kindness is this understanding that every human being, no matter where they come from, no matter what color their skin is, no matter where they've been, no matter what they've done, they've been created in the very image of God Almighty. And they are worthy of our respect. And I'm here to tell you today that most relationships break down because we lose respect for one another. We forget that that person is worth something. They're worth Jesus coming and dying on the cross for them. Listen to me. If your husband is worth Jesus dying for, if your wife is worth Jesus dying for, then your husband and your wife or your children are worth your respect. Because respect is the foundation of kindness in our life. And I want to encourage you tonight, every one of you that are here at 714, we're gathering back at Bethlehem Assembly of God to do one thing, to pray and to ask God to heal our land, to ask God to be merciful to us because we have lost respect for one another. And I believe the church needs to gather together in love. And I believe the church needs to gather together in prayer to pray that we once again would learn how to be kind to one another. Does that mean that I'm supposed to stop preaching now? I'm done? We're shutting down all the lights? Pastor Steve, you're out of here? The reason why our relationships fall apart is because we're not shrouded that relationship in respect. You see, everyone wants to think that love is just a feeling, but so often we need to recognize that more than a feeling, it's an act of, listen to me, of kindness. So kindness says no matter who you are and where you come from or what color your skin is, even what religion you hold to, you're still worthy of my... You're still worthy of my respect. See, I believe with all my heart, as the worship team comes, that acts of kindness in a relationship will take that relationship to a whole new level. Let me, let me, let me, let me share something transparent with you. The reason why I love my wife so much is because my wife's got this down. I have never met somebody that is so kind. My wife, she lives to be kind to me. And she shows me her love in acts of kindness every single day of my life. Seems like before I want a cup of tea, she knows I want a cup of tea. And she's, she's so kind to me that, that it, it, it helps me so much to realize that this is what love looks like. Love is not a feeling, but it's an action. And you see, so many of us, we're waiting for the feeling because we've lost that love and feeling. Whoa. You guys listen to way too much secular music. 
We say, we lost that feeling. I don't feel in love with that person any longer. Let me, let me suggest to you today that love is not a feeling, it's an action. And when you start using the love actions in your life, you'll start feeling it again. Somebody say amen. Action precedes feeling. While we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. That's an action. When we were spitting at him and mocking him and hanging him on a cross, he was saying, Father, forgive them for they know not what they do. That's an action. And let me tell you, I love Jesus so much. I love God so much. Why? Because before I was loving him, he was already loving me by action. Somebody say amen. Glory to God. And so if you want to get back that feeling, I want you to know that you got to start putting some action before you get the feeling. I know some marriages are on the rocks. You need to get on the rock. You need to recognize that you could take your marriage off the rocks and put it on the rock of agape if you would just start being kind to one another. Kindness can change the world. There was a study that was done. I heard this in between services that the number one attribute the number one thing that people want more than anything else in this world is kindness. And we can change our marriage. We can change our family. We can change the world. We can change our world if we begin to be kind. Paul the Apostle says one of the greatest things we can do in life is to have kindness flowing through us, through humility. And the thing that makes me love my wife so much is she's so kind to me. <laughs> the other day I said, I said to my wife, I said, "Hun, I said, I'm so sorry. I forgot to get up early enough, you know, to take out the garbage. And she's taking out the garbage. And, she, and I said to her, "Hun, I said, I'm sorry I didn't take out the garbage. She said, it's okay. You've been forgetting to do that for 33 years. <laughs> that blows me away is that that was the first time she reminded me that I've been forgetting to do it for 33 years. <laughs> Acts of kindness. And I believe that we can change the world when we recognize that kindness is an attribute of God. Someone once said kindness is Adapting or becoming compliant to others' needs, which means you don't demand for others to be like you, but instead you bend over backwards to become what others need you to be for them. So we need to be able to serve and change in order to meet others' needs. Agape is patient. Agape is kind. So I'm going to challenge you this morning, maybe you've run out of patience today. I'm going to challenge you to say, God, I, I need your God agape kind of patience flowing in my life. I need you to fill me today with the power of the Holy Spirit in my life. I'm going to challenge you today to begin to change your relationships, to make them go deeper. 
I challenge you tomorrow morning, you wake up in the morning and you think of a way that you can go to work and you can find somebody that you love and better than that, somebody that you hate at work. And I challenge you to go to Starbucks and mortgage your house and get a cup of coffee and go into work and put that cup of coffee on your boss's desk and just say, have a great day. I challenge you men to think about something kind that you could do for your wife and come home and bring her a rose or bring her something better than a rose. And when you wake her up after she passed out and you give her mouth-to-mouth resuscitation, tell her, I just love you. That's why I wanted to do this act of kindness for you today. And I challenge you as a Christian that if you really want to go deep in your relationships, then ask the Lord God Almighty to transform your heart, to take that wounded heart, to take that heart that cannot trust any longer, to take that broken heart, to take that calloused heart, to take that heart that's been wounded to the point where you have no more patience or you find that you cannot be kind and come to the foot of the cross and look up at the foot of the cross and see the kindest act that you've ever seen in the history of mankind. See your Savior, see your Jesus hanging on the cross with all of the kindness of all of the universe and beyond. And when he cried out to the Father and said, Father, forgive them for they know know not what they do. May the blood of Jesus, may the deep, deep, powerful blood of Jesus drip into your heart and begin to change your heart and begin to soften your heart so that once again we can be the church of Jesus Christ patient with people who need so much room to grow patient with people who need so much room to be human patient with people who need so much room to be loved and kind with people in a world that has turned so unkind we can make all the difference by saying God I'm going to change my world one person at a time by demonstrating the greatest power known to mankind, the agape of God. Let's pray. Hallelujah, God. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, God. Thank you, God. Thank you, God.